you're rocking the, the jet green right now. Adam Sandler. Right. Number one, you were Rich Eisen. The second movie, I see Brad Hirschberg <laughs> being your part. Dennis Miller. The autumn wind is caused by global warming. <laughs> Uh, a legend in the booth, Jim Brockmeyer. I do love watching Tebow play. I mm-hmm. gotta say, he just he combines all the fiery leadership of Ray Lewis with the uh, with the throwing ability of Ray Lewis. <laughs> and uh... I don't download many podcasts, but when I do, I prefer the Rich Eisen podcast. Here's your host, Rich Eisen. Welcome to the latest edition of the Rich Eisen Podcast, coming to you from League Headquarters in Midtown Manhattan. Draft Week has arrived. I am your humble host, pleased to be with you on the most important week of the non-playing season in the National Football League, the week where the talent evaluation portion of the calendar comes to a stirring conclusion and the regenerative process that we also need in the National Football League, hoping that our team can go from bad to good, or from good to great, or from great to championship type great. This is what the NFL Draft is all about, and I am thrilled to be here with another three podcast week for you. We've got a mock draft coming your way on this podcast coming uh, on Tuesday night, as Chris Law, my podcast producer, will spend toiling a uh, a way to put this thing up as soon as the NFL.com mock draft with Commissioner Mike Mayock is concluded on Tuesday late afternoon that we shoot it from here at league headquarters in New York. You can watch a small portion of the mock draft, a uh, edited down version of the mock draft. You can watch it on NFL.com and of course you can listen to it from beginning to end with Mike Mayock as your Commissioner and me and Michael Irvin and Mariucci and Marshall Falk and Charles Davis and Brian Billick and Melissa Stark and Michael Lombardi doing all of the picks, uh, eight of us taking you all the way from one through 32 of what we think the, the NFL draft will, will look like, obviously, minus any trades and moves, but uh, that will be up on Tuesday night. Then on Wednesday... Uh, we'll have uh, uh, another podcast for you. The commissioner of the National Football League will sit down one-on-one specifically for this podcast for the very first time. Very excited to have Roger Goodell on with everything going on in the National Football League. It's draft week. What's going on with the Saints? What's happening with the Minnesota Vikings? What's going on with the Los Angeles market? What's going on with HGH? Why haven't we seen anything, uh, a deal struck between the players and management on that front? And, of course, what is it like for him uh, to uh, be at the center of this draft without a lockout hanging over his head. And what about the move that was made this past week that the NFL brokering a deal between the NFL Network and ESPN? We will not show you a single cell phone in the hand of a prospect in the green room of Radio City Music Hall, thus tipping a pick to you sitting at home. That is going away for the 2012 draft in our coverage and moving forward. Uh, I've been fighting that fight. I've been trying to crusade for this. I've been trying to just basically remove it from the possibility of having uh, a team even make this phone call to a prospect before the commissioner makes this announcement from the podium at Radio City Music Hall. Apparently that was a non-starter, so the league did it this way. And I want to chat with the commissioner about why do it. I know why I I would have done it, but what was the commissioner and the the league's thinking about this? And um, and, uh, there's just so much to talk about with him. And also on the same podcast, Seth Myers of Saturday Night Live. One of the cast members, one of the uh, producers, one of the writers, a former ESPY host, two-time ESPY host, big Patriot fan, 
a man who will have Eli Manning in his mitts. Two weeks from now, May 5th, Saturday night, Eli Manning, your guest host of Saturday Night Live, Seth Meyers, will join us on the podcast. And uh, that's coming on Wednesday. But on this show is uh, a guy I'm a big fan of his, and I couldn't be more pleased to have him on the show. Dennis Leary is going to join me one-on-one. He's a Patriot slash Packer fan. That's an interesting hybrid. Uh, as we all know, he's a, a, a man who was the star and executive producer of Rescue Me, a fantastic show on FX for years about uh, firefighters and firefighting. And he is an executive producer of a new documentary called Burn uh, that takes a look at the plight of uh, firefighting in the city of Detroit, Michigan. Uh, they follow a, a group of firefighters for an entire calendar year. It's a fantastic documentary that's debuting this week at the Tribeca Film Festival. And um, I got a chance to see it. He will uh, come on and talk about it, along with one of the directors of, the, of this film, Tom Putnam. Uh, he will join me on this podcast because, again, we're in New York City. And obviously, uh, with it now being over a decade since 9-11, uh, first responders in this city, um, as in many cities across the United States, are under duress economically, um, in some cases politically. And um, this documentary hits on all of these subjects, and Dennis is very passionate about it. He wants to talk about it, and we'll give him that for him right here on this podcast. And um, I'm excited about that. And all of it together, Dennis Leary, the commissioner, and Seth Myers uh, on the television version of the podcast, 10.30 p.m. Eastern, a special primetime night before the draft, Wednesday night edition of the Rich Eisen podcast on NFL Network. But right now, let's get right to our first guest and Dennis Leary. Pleased to have on the Rich Eisen podcast a man that you enjoyed for years on Rescue Me. He's a best-selling author as well, big-time Patriot slash Packer fan. And How also, is this a podcast, by the way? There's two cameras pointed at me. Right actually, now. Uh, there's three, three cameras. Three cameras, and there's two. So how is this a podcast? It's actual. It's a podcast because it's it's on iTunes, full audio, and then we tape it and put the greatest hits on NFL Network. That's how it works. We're multimedia. There's not one platform. One platform cannot contain this program, Dennis Leary. Yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> it's, so it's, should I it be a vodcast or some it could other be a kind vodcast, of stupid, a video. crappy, punny name? Well, I just didn't Listen, want to do that. I didn't we, want to do we, we don't want to waste our time criticizing the title of your, of your vodcast, podcast, well, <laughs> whatever, or also you know, take you to task for inviting a guy in to supposedly be on the radio and then, mm -hmm. you know, then multi- uh, tearing Multimedia? into very other aspects well, of Rich Eisen's life. Well, it's, so, yeah. well, it's a good thing you're good-looking enough, Dennis, to be able to pull this thing off. That's all I'm saying. I don't know how to take that coming from you, That's Rich. okay. It's all right. But, you know, the whole point of it is, though, is that it's something that is multi-platform, so you can, you can send out your message to as many people. That's right, and I'm here to spread my message. It's possible. Well, yes. you're here to, you're here to, to talk about your film, yes, Burn, which I am. is the, the documentary that you have put together with uh, Tom Putnam, a director who you were going to, uh, we're going to bring out in a minute. Yes. But um, uh, let's hit that first, your documentary, a Burn, which is about Detroit firefighters yes. uh, battling not only what goes on in the city with the fire, but also the economic situation in Detroit that has put them on unique footing, to say the least, for any firefighters in the United States. Why is this something that, that, that was born out of Rescue Me and your, and your time on that project? And did you, so you saw the film, which yes, sir, I, I have to, I can't, you know, most people don't take the time to do that, so I really commend you for, no, for doing if that. You, if you appear on my podcast, I will watch your 
documentary. Okay, good. That's that's the quid pro um, quo for sure. I have to t I have to tell you that truly in this circumstance, um, you know, I said this last night at the at the premiere. You know, people often ask you, and there are a million jokes about what does a producer do, mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's. Uh, you know, there are, there are people out there that are producers that don't do anything and take, just take money and credit. And sometimes it's a lot of work and sometimes it's not a lot of work and everything in between. But in this case, I really have to tell you the truth is that Tom uh, Putnam and Brenna Sanchez mm -hmm. had access um, to this uh, firehouse in uh, Detroit. They had an idea uh, and they had a belief in what they were going to find. Because as you know, when you shoot a documentary, it's not like there's nothing planned. You have to go in and shoot yeah. and shoot and shoot mm -hmm. and hope that you find a story when you get to the editing room. Right. So they had shot and they came to, um, to my uh, producing partner, Jim Serpico, and I. And because of the Rescue Me connection and the firefighter, uh, my foundation and, our, and that uh, connection. Mm -hmm. And they showed us some of their footage, which was astonishing. And Jim and I just said, listen, we want to get involved. We want to help you guys as much as we can. And I am telling you truly that Jim and I deserve none of the credit here. Okay. I am just the famous guy, which is the reason that we're on the Rich Eisen <laughs> vodcast, because I'm telling you that Tom sure. and Brenna, they spent two and a half years uh, you know, getting to know these guys, mm -hmm. which is important to get them comfortable on camera, and they had, they had access with their cameras. This is footage about fire that nobody has ever seen before, as I'm sure you saw last night. Yeah, the I movie. was concerned, actually, for the safety of those who yeah, were Yeah, it's really, it's astonishing footage. Even more so, the comfort that they gained with these members of, of this particular crew uh, in this firehouse in Detroit and the personal side of their story. Because mm -hmm. the thing to me is, I wouldn't have any interest in it if it was just a bunch of action footage. I wouldn't have any interest in it if it was just about Detroit. But I think ultimately what it's about is Americans who have been hit by a, a recession, who believe in their community, who believe in helping each other and the people around them, um, and, and refuse to leave their hometown. They love their hometown. Uh, they will not leave there. They, uh, it's just such an uplifting story, and they found that story. Mm -hmm. So I don't take any credit for this at all. I am telling you, I may have gotten Tom here onto the Rich Eisen vodcast <laughs> yes. and, and Brenna, but I really, I did. We, Jim and I, were, were just happy to be along for the mm -hmm. ride with these two. They're extraordinary filmmakers, and the job that they did had nothing to do with us. It was completely them. And we're going to talk again a little bit more about it with Tom when he joins us later on. But uh, one of the things that hit me too, just watching it just from the perspective of being a New Yorker and also uh, a football guy, is just knowing how many firefighters there are in the stands. Yes. How many folks, uh, emergency uh, technicians, emergency first responders are, I mean, shoot, the Jets have Fireman Ed yeah. as... Yeah. Uh, quote-unquote mascot, for the lack of a better yeah. phrase. I mean, he's the face in many ways of the fandom and how hard these folks work without much thanks and certainly pay. Right, that's true. And a lot of reward other than the fact that, that they safely extricate everyone from these fires, including themselves. Yes. And then they have to go do it again. Well, listen... There, there's a key connection between sports and, and, and the fire department. One of the guys spoke about it last night. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it's teamwork. And ultimately, it's uh, obviously a much more dangerous level than football or hockey. But, um, you know, you, when you look at sports and you look at what these guys do, it's the same mentality. It's all for one, one for all. Obviously, the circumstances and the, and the stakes are much higher in the job that they do in the fire department. But any great firefighter... Uh, that's part of a crew will tell you that, that it is about, I'm only as good as the, the guy standing next to me. Um, 
You know, the other part about it is, you know, just um, sitting around with these guys last night after the premiere. Um, you know, I'm a huge hockey fan. Uh, these guys were sitting around. They don't even want to talk about themselves. They don't want to talk about how great they were. They wanted right. to talk about the fact that the Predators knocked the Red Wings out of the playoffs, and they wanted to talk about Nicholas Lidstrom. And that's and, a crushing blow for folks in Detroit. I, I, right, they're not and expecting and so, the Predators you know, to do anything like that. Heroes. These right. guys are really heroes, and they want to talk about the playoffs, the NFL draft. I and mean, this is the kind of guys that they are. Mm -hmm. They don't want to talk about themselves. They don't want to uh, talk about how great they are. But it is an extraordinary thing that they do, and I hope that part of the message that we get out with the movie. Uh, which goes beyond Detroit, which is every single fire department um, in America in an urban setting is struggling for uh, financing. And it's because they're the first guys to get cut by any mayor, any city government, because they don't go on strike. So it makes perfect sense that if you're the mayor of a city and you have an economic crisis, of course you're going to cut the fire department because they won't go on strike. Mm -hmm. They're easy to cut. But I want the message to become partially about that fact that every single fire department, not just Detroit, but New York, Boston, I was just in Santa Monica um, over the weekend for a fundraiser there, and that fire department is dealing in a, in a community that's doing very well financially. Right. Um, they're, they're having problems with 40-year-old rigs, things like that. Um, these guys in Detroit, they're struggling right now to get new boots and gloves. Yeah, you can see some of the boots are being taped with yeah. duct tape up front. And one of the more sympathetic figures in the documentary is the new fire chief who comes from Los Angeles. Yes. And even though he's not very sympathetic even to the own guys, he, he's not viewed as one of them. Yeah. Right? He comes as an outsider. One of the firefighters in Detroit even called him Hollywood yes. coming in. Yeah. And, but he's the one who's got to figure out when somebody parks a fire engine on a, on a train track and yes. explodes a $700,000 yeah. piece of equipment, he's got to be the one to put these pieces together. And he's sort of... And at one point, he's even vacuuming his own office. I, I mean, that's an incredible scene in this documentary as well. It, it just strikes home that it's not just Detroit, as you're saying. It's no, it's, it's every department. It's everybody else. Every department that I know of that mm. I've dealt with, Boston, New Orleans, incredible. Uh, you know, I think the only solution to this eventually. I was talking to Tom and Brenner about it earlier, and nobody wants to hear me say it, but I think the only solution is that eventually, we have to have a federally funded set of first responders in in every major city in America, and that way. When it comes down to the politics of it, right. it will be Mitt Romney or, or Barack Obama in this election cycle saying, right. I'd like to have my picture taken with some firefighters. And the firefighters union, which will represent all of the firefighters, will say, if you guarantee us you're going to give us a billion dollars right. for our departments, we'll take a picture with you. Mm -hmm. Rather than dealing on a local level with all these different mayors and all their different problems mm -hmm. and all these different cities, let's just make it one national you know, uh, uh, funding event. And I think that would go a long way because... It's in the film, but I say it quite often. When things go wrong, whether it's a heart attack, um, your cat is stuck up a tree, uh, you're in a car accident, or on 9-11 when mm -hmm. this country was attacked, the first responders, the first people on the scene, every single time are firefighters. And it's insane to me that we are not funding these guys right. and, and making sure they show up with the best equipment and the best available training mm -hmm. to save uh, our lives. They don't um, even think twice about it either. I know. Yeah, I don't think twice about it. So I want to talk football with you real quick before we bring Tom on. Um, we, we spoke about this before when you came on NFL Network uh, when you were promoting your book. How does one become a Packer-Patriot okay. hybrid? How, how does this happen, Dennis? My Lee? brother, Kiwi, that's his nickname. Kiwi. His real name is Johnny. Okay. But even my mother calls him Kiwi. Um, we grew up in uh, circumstances where my, my older brother, Johnny, and I were separated from the rest of the family. We lived in the attic in the first apartment we lived in, and then we lived in the basement of the second place that we lived in next to the hot water heater. Literally, my bed was here, 
my brothers was about six inches closer than you are. Yeah. We, we grew up fighting and trying to kill each other for the first, you know, 17 years of our lives. And somewhere in there, my brother, um, you know, became a, a Patriots fan, and I was a Patriots fan, but just to get at him, because it was like 1967, yeah. and the Packers were the best team, right. I started rooting for the Packers just to, to uh, piss him off. So you were a front runner to piss off your brother. Just to piss off my brother. Well and of course, what happens piss is off you, Kiwi. you then screw up with your DNA, mm -hmm. and you become attached to the Packers. And by the way, the Packers were really bad for a long time, mm -hmm. and I stayed a Packers Patriots fan, and then the Patriots and the Packers both sucked for a long time. Uh, but it paid off. But then and they found up playing each other in a Super Bowl. Yes. That, how, did, that how, did, was, that, how did that happen? That's my dream because right. I can't lose. Right. I actually was praying for that um, to happen this okay. year again. Yeah, it so can't. it's actually a great thing. I love football. I'm a, right. I'm a huge football fan. Right. Football is a sp sport for me like hockey where I watch any game. Right. And I, find, I have a rooting interest in something in that game. Mm -hmm. So uh, it's great having those two teams because I have a team in each conference and um, – Sometimes it works out that they do actually start to head towards each other. Right. Um, there's nothing better for me than a football game where I, I, I can't lose because both my teams are in it. Right. How were you this year with the Super Bowl this year, though, when you had the Patriots against the Giants? Listen, I man. Mean, were, were you... I, I'm old enough, as you probably are you. Mm -hmm. I can't stand, even if one of my teams is in it, mm -hmm. uh, a Super Bowl that sucks. There's nothing more boring than the game's <laughs> over at halftime or at the end of the first quarter. And right. we've, we've seen a lot of those Super Bowls where, yes, you know, by the end of the first quarter, you're going like, it's going to be now everybody sitting around chatting and watching the halftime show. Mm -hmm. I, I hate the halftime show. I'm a football guy. Mm -hmm. I don't want anybody around me who's not talking football. I leave and, and go to the bathroom and eat something during mm -hmm. the halftime show. I'm all football. So Madonna with shirtless Trojans bringing her in to the middle of the field, that you were not, that was not, not your cup of tea. Not interested, man. Paul McCartney, <laughs> The Who, I love The Who. I didn't right. watch the halftime show. I'm, that's when I'm getting caught up. Right. I like to sit and watch the game. Okay. So, uh, yeah, I was rooting for the Patriots, but you know what? It, beyond that, it was a great football game. It was. And the last time they played the Giants, it was the same thing. So I'm all about good football on Super Bowl Sunday. Right. I want to win, but I want a I down-to-the-wire game. And it, it was the first time we, we researched this. It was the first time ever a Super Bowl ended on a Hail Mary pass. Yes, it was. Where the That's season right. was actually yeah. in the air for and five it, seconds. And it was close. It was. It was very close. It was really close. It, it would have been it, awesome. It was almost a done deal. And you're speaking to a Boston boy, so I go back to the Doug Flutie Hail Mary. You know, right. Not that I ever cared about BC. They never did anything Absolutely. for me. But, you know, I'm a sports fan. Would you be fine if Favre came back now? Yeah, Favre is coming back. I don't know if is you know this. Yeah, this, the Red Sox signed him. He's going to be coming out of the bullpen. That's how bad our bullpen is. I could use him. Uh, Favre's coming out of the bullpen. That'd be good. He's, he's going to start. Is, is short, he setting up or is he's he going to set up for a while okay. and, and he's going to work his way into the closer role. Okay. So, you need a little bit of both Jesus, in that regard right bad. now. It's bad. I know. New York is sort of, you know. Uh, the, where the, the, the New York sort of loves that sort of thing, right? Now. I know. I mean, I know we're on a football show, Listen, but I mean, what, the first century of Fenway is the Green Monster, and the second century is the Green Mile. Yeah, but you know, it, let me tell you something. I love when baseball fans start talking about, you know, the pitching staff's horrible. Right. The whole season's going to crap. What right. are we going to do? Right. We're in the third week in April. Mm -hmm. It's baseball. There's another nine and a half months <laughs> left <laughs> before we get to the playoffs. Right. So, yeah, I'm not worried. Yeah, three weeks in the NFL is a yeah. quarter of the season. And I mean, Favre, you, know. you know, it'll take him three weeks to get ready, and then he'll be, uh, he'll look good in a Red Sox uniform. You think so? Oh, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Very good. Keep his, uh, keep his cell phone away from him. Oh, excellent. Well, let's get Tom in here. You want to come on in here, Tom? Get in here, Tom. Pleased to be joined now by one of the directors of the uh, documentary Burn, 
Good to see you, Tom Putnam. Good to see you. Good to see you. Thanks for having me. How'd you get involved with you know, that? He didn't shake my hand at the beginning. Of my I did. I saw that. Well, that. You, What's going well, on? You, with that? I don't know. I guess he doesn't want to shake my hand. Oh my God. It's okay. I got I get thrown in the middle of this. Finally. He's got so much energy <laughs> well, already. You were vodcasting and I couldn't. I was, I was you know I, did, I was trying I to I was trying to you snap you snap hey, the I just thought uh, of you snap the twelve six curveball on the start. I thought of a great. I just thought this might be stupid, but I just thought of a great like shank. Into an advertising whoring situation for you. We mm -hmm. call it a vodcast, mm -hmm. but we spell it with a K, and we get a vodka company to sponsor it. That's great because the NFL wants casual drinking involved in any of their products. <laughs> yeah, they? like it's not involved in, <laughs> right. in any aspect of. of Wait a minute, it is. When you oh, think of it, I, I like that. A I'm vodcast. full of marketing ideas. No, but I like it. I know. I like the, Sved, the Rich Eisen Svedka vodcast. <laughs> Look, you just got Rich fired. I know. Oh, no, that's okay. I'll come. Be, I'll come be a PA for you on your next. Uh, on your Excellent. Next, on your next gig. How did you get in contact with Dennis? How did you guys first contact one another about this documentary? That's a good question. I think it was literally like we found the phone number for your production office and we called. You cold called. Yeah, Dennis we, Leary. we cold called. We cold okay. called their office and. Uh, it took a couple of calls before they knew it wasn't a crank call, and then mm -hmm. you guys, like you said, you took a look at the footage, and Dennis and his partner Jim just turned out to be great. I mean, mm -hmm. they wanted to come on board for all the right reasons. There's very few people that know about firefighting more than, more than these guys, and it just ended up being a great match. And I think, you know, Dennis kept saying, oh, it's all about Tom and Brenna. These guys have actually been very involved. I mean, they've been seeing cuts, and they, they've been working with firefighters for so much longer than we have, there was a lot of there were a number of nuances and things that we hadn't even thought of that they brought to the table. Right. So it's been a, it's been a lot of fun. And he paid for the party after the premiere last night with the open bar, which was a big big Did plus I? too. Yeah. The could firefighters I, we, are still there, by the way. Yeah, so really, you might yeah, you might want to make a phone call. Holy cow! We could have had the vodcast there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> with a, with a little cow. bit of. My barbell might be bigger than the Saints bounty finds. This is right. Oh my God! <laughs> it very well could be. It very well could be, and you can't appeal to actually lower that. I know, I can't. So uh, this documentary, what are you hoping to achieve, accomplish through Burn? Well, there's a couple of things. I mean, we went down to Detroit, and even after spending a day with the guys, you can't help but fall in love with them and want to help them share their story. So like at its most basic level, you want people to learn about firefighting and not stand across the street on the sidewalk, but go into the fire with these guys, which we do. Which, if you've seen the movie, nobody's done before. So yeah, how did how did you do that? Because again, there are some shots where the the flames are literally licking the camera, and in a way, hitting you in the face as you're sitting there and watching that. How did you do that and actually survive some of these shots? Well, I mean, it was a combination of things. I actually, my background is in sports producing. I used to do like uh, BMX and skateboarding shows. And uh, I kind of approached this like that because you go, you show up with these guys and there's like eight, nine guys all moving at the same time. So how do you, you know, you want to figure out how you cover all of that. Mm -hmm. And one of the ways we did it was by getting these little HD uh, helmet cams that we put on the guys. And it turns out firefighters are really great cameramen after the first couple of fires they'd come back and want to see dailies and say like oh my god i should have held that shot longer so, <laughs> is that right yeah and you know they would okay. they would they um they just ended up being a really integral professionals no it. matter what your task you give them well yeah they're all these type a guys right sure. so and they really want people to see things the way they see it so you know they're right up in it they're going through the door they're in the smoke they're right up in the flames and uh we had the ability to put people right in the middle of that mm -hmm. which was pretty you know, we had exciting. a director from uh Rescue Me, a guy that we've worked with uh, a lot, who's also a film director, was at the premiere last night. He, it, it was, he was a good gauge because he was very affected by the film. But he, that was the second thing he said was, my God, I wish we had some of those shots when we were doing Rescue Me because sure. they're so unbelievable. 
So as you saw, I mean, it's right. just it makes you feel as if you're one of those guys, man. It's extraordinary stuff. Yeah, like I like uh, Brandon, my co-director, keeps saying, like the only thing that's missing is the smell, which yeah. is just yeah. It just puts you right in it, especially because the movie's widescreen. So you just when you go through a door, you just the flames are all around you. It's mm -hmm. uh, it's a look at firefighting you don't normally see. I think most people think firefighters, you know, they go to Chipotle or whatever, and then the bell rings, they show up, they spray some water on a house and go home. And it's a really tough, physical, dangerous job. The first one of the first questions that was answered in in the film, asked and answered, is why do you do this? Yes, yeah. that of one of the firefighters. After you're through with this entire project. How would you answer that question? Why do these guys do this job? Um, I think they do it because they care and they have a calling. I mean, they're, they're a look back into what I think a lot of jobs in America used to be and there aren't as many anymore. They're guys that are passionate about what they do. It's more than just a paycheck, as you know, and they love their city and they want to help people. And despite how hard things are, and if you saw the movie, Detroit, mm -hmm. you know, it's not the easiest place in the world to fight fires. They, every day, I think, get up and hope they're going to be able to make things better or save somebody's life or save their house or, you know, rescue somebody. And that's, um, that keeps them going through a lot of tough stuff. What, well, I mean, you, you mentioned before what you think the answer is. Because, you, 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 again, you look at a city like Detroit and what you talked about in, in the documentary are the number of vacant houses in Detroit. They just keep getting bigger and bigger for the number of foreclosures, which means less tax base in which to pay for something like firefighting. And it just seems to be some sort of riptide that there's, for which there is no answer. So what is, what is the answer? Is it, is it something that, that's federally funded in that I don't respect? know. I mean, I, again, I think in the, in the movie, one of the most powerful things in it is that moment when you see the result of not having the proper truck uh, and the proper response time. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes it's human nature that when there's a tragedy uh, that makes the news that we all go, oh my God, how could that happen? So unfortunately, it probably takes something like that before we can you know, alter the system. I, I think, you know, after 9-11, I truly thought that helping firefighters uh, you know, through my foundation would come to an end uh, you know, I, I wanted my foundation to go to business, and I thought it would because there was so much attention on firefighters and what they do. Mm -hmm. But then people forget, and life goes on. Um, I do think it has to become a federal finance uh, issue. I think we need to, to, to reach that level where you don't have to worry about local politics because there's no way to solve the problem. And, and it's Detroit, this film, I think, is a great example of what they do and who they are. But that's... Like my friend Terry Quinn, who's a New York firefighter, said last night, he said, these guys are just like firefighters I meet from all over the country. They're the same type of people. They really love their neighbors. They really care about where they live. They want to help and save lives. They'll do it with, with even you know, minimal amounts of equipment. As, you, as we were talking about, you know, mm -hmm. they, have, they need gloves and boots in Detroit right now. It's, they'll, do it, they'll do the job anyways. I think we need to make everybody aware of the fact that we need to, we need to change this system, you and, know. And that was one of the more heart-wrenching moments of the documentary was, I don't want to give away, obviously, what you were referring to about how the lack of equipment led to a tragedy, was the mom of the affected family on mm. TV criticizing the yeah. fire department and the firefighters watching it yeah. from their firehouse just like, hey, you know, we're, we're with you, you know, yeah. and... and, and 
what a feeling that must leave them with. How do you it, fix that? I mean, how does that get fixed? You it, know, it's hard, right? Like you're saying, you give you give those guys a bucket of water and a horse, they're gonna go fight a fire. Right. But you know, when you cut things so much that rigs start to fail and they just can't get to a fire or can't get things to work when they get to a fire. It's, um, it's tough on those guys. It's as tough on them as anybody who has a job to do and they aren't given what they need to do it. But I think, you know, by making a film like this and you, by educating people, it makes it hard for them to vote for those cuts in the future because you can see the effect those cuts have. I think most people just don't know. Yeah. It's just a knowledge yeah. thing. When the Lions went 5-0 and last year. I gotta year. say, oh, by sorry. the way, yeah. in that movie, that, you know, I mean, I saw it in different cuts, but, you know, seeing it last night with the... Uh, audience and the finished version it was so beautifully shot that sequence without giving anything away you yep. know because uh -huh. there's so much pain and private pain in that sequence and yes. i just thought that the way that they shot that um so beautiful it was and then again God. just like i said seeing these guys watch themselves get criticized by the family on television yeah when it's just like you know she's sort of preaching in the choir and the choir but the choir amongst the regular population is being cast as the bad guy. Yeah, yeah. it's one of the things that you It's one of the things that Tom and Brenna really, because of who they are and right. how they how they carry themselves, right. the level of comfort they got mm -hmm. out of those firefighters, those in, intimate moments right. that they were able to capture, which are, I mean, it's it's unheard right. of. Right. They, it's almost as if the cameras aren't there, and that's really a testimony to to how great they are at what they do. Because, God, it it just feels like. Um, they, these guys were so unbelievably comfortable, even in moments of great pain and, and, and uh, like that, that moment that you're talking about, you mm -hmm. know, to have access to that is extraordinary. Mm -hmm. and I, and I, I mean, they would never say this about themselves, but they're brave guys. And I think that extends yeah, into no the question. access they're willing to give people because they, yeah. they've been trying to do the same thing for 30 years and they know where they are now. And so I think they felt like, let's try this. Let's try something different. Let's try letting people in on what's happening. When the Lions went 5-0 and last year on the NFL Network and in all these other uh, sports outlets, we were talking about the revitalization of the city of Detroit and how the folks in Detroit rallying around the Lions and how it was something that was significant, that was a tangible feeling. And I'm, after seeing your documentary, I'm, I'm wondering, after seeing what you saw for a year, there were a lot of beautiful shots of the city of Detroit. Ford Field was lit up right next to where the Tigers play as well. Would it make a significant difference just in the morale if the Lions went on some sort of run in 2012 with these guys that you see in the sure. department? Sure. Don't you think? I mean, I, mean, I, mean I, I don't know. Again, I'm, I'm, we're talking about real life here, obviously, yeah. right? And, and, and I like to say I, I work in the toy department because I, you know what I mean? You know, but, but, that, but, you know, Tom's right. I mean, uh, you know, sports and especially sports on a professional level, we all know that psychically where you live, Especially if a place is damaged, you know. I came from a city that that uh, you know had its uh, had its tough times, Worcester, Massachusetts, and they got a they got a, a full blown arena downtown and started to get big events. It made a big difference to the downtown area. New Orleans is an example. I mean, I know it doesn't maybe physically change anything. We know there's money pouring in when you have sporting events and the team is successful. But I mean, I think spiritually it makes a big difference. I think it makes people proud about their city. I think it makes it, it does make them travel downtown to see. Whatever the the uh, the game is, I think they spend money. They come together. There's a sense of community. We can't deny that, you know. It makes. I mean, it makes you proud about the place you live in. Yeah. And it's like, no matter what city you live in, I think that that's that's hugely important. And in Detroit, 
so many people have left the city, it's one of the things that keeps people coming back into the city on a regular basis. So I think in Detroit, it's even more important than a lot of places because it's, it's a magnet that they need. Yeah. No, because obviously in my business, we talk about this sort of thing as a metaphor, but the bottom line is if the Lions rip off strict six straight wins, if they go ahead and win the NFC North, does that pay for another rig? You know what I mean? Like, the, how does it help these guys? It doesn't really in that sort of way, but I'm trying to figure out well, you know what? I think it all, how it, pieces it, this all This becomes fit. like an illustration of Ronald Reagan's original trickle-down economic theory. Because <laughs> yeah. really what wow. it is is you have to look at a, a packed stadium or right. an arena, mm -hmm. and then you have to look at how that money is spent in the bars and the restaurants and the parking uh, uh, garages and everything else downtown around that. And then you have to look, fold that back into the rest of the community. I'm sure somehow it does eventually have an effect. Right. Um, there's no question that spiritually, in terms of drawing people back yeah. uh, to the area, that that kind of thing works. That's mm -hmm. why we have sports. Um, so, you know, it may be the best example of Ronald Reagan's trickle-down economics, mm -hmm. maybe the most specific one in terms of an ur urban setting, you know? It's, and it's one of the few things that brings people from all walks of life together. I mean, Detroit's a place that has a history, you know, of people, different kinds of people not getting along. And I think when everybody roots for the same team, you can put them in a stadium together right. and everything's great. That's why a lot of people were rooting for the Lions last year. Yeah. And it's interesting you make the New Orleans connection because one of the more moving lines in your documentary is how it's like Katrina without the hurricane yeah. in Detroit yeah. right now. Before I let you go, Dennis, I do want to ask you about the draft and your thoughts on the NFL draft Listen, coming into this year. There's two things I like about the draft. Mm -hmm. One is John Gruden um, gets to do his quarterback camp and go off on his tangents, yes. which I always find entertaining when he brings in these quarterbacks and basically cross-examines them and, and, and threatens them. He gets this wild look. Yes. So I like that. The right. second thing I like is I'm, uh, I'm always amazed by how Bill Belichick um, still ends up. He goes to the Super Bowl and he still ends up with amazing picks in the, and two picks in the first round. Yeah. Um, extraordinary coach. Um, and the other thing is I always find who's the, the weirdo guy that I'm rooting for. And my weirdo guy this year is uh, Whedon, the 28-year-old quarterback. Mm -hmm. I just love the, I love the idea that there can be a guy graduating from college at age 28 who's in the draft. And I actually think he's actually a pretty good quarterback, but that's my, that's the, my reason. I'm sick. I'm a sick fan. Yeah. I, wa I watch the Combine. Well, that's on, great because it's on NFL Network. I know. We'll take your, we'll I mean, take I, your you can ask the guys on Rescue Me, me and the guys in the camera crew and a couple of the other actors. Like, literally, we used to watch the Combine on television. And then we'd, we'd go to the set, and in between shots, we'd be like, so what'd you think about his, you know, 40-yard dash? Well, I don't know about the 40-yard dash. And, that's, at that point, it's idiotic. I mean, well, how much we, information do I... I'm not even running a team. How much information do I need? So, but I'm, I'm sick about it. To I, me, the Combine is like the Yule Log. It where is. it's you're staring it's at this, you're staring at this bright light, and for six hours you're listening to the same music over I, and over again. You have no you idea why you've been watching it for that long. Most of my life, mm -hmm. most of my spare time mm -hmm. is spent doing two things: mm -hmm. NHL Network and NFL Network. That's pretty much where I go back and forth. <laughs> you can ask my wife and my son. This is what we do. Like I watch, you know, I watch old, you know, Super Bowl films, old, uh, you know. NHL highlight film. I mean, I, it's sick. It's sick. I watch the NHL draft. I watch the NFL draft. It's crazy. I should own a team. I should be, really, I should be given a team. 
I, I think the there is a person just down the hall you could speak to. I think that. I we could be, put you in the room with the commissioner. I pitched this in to Belichick, minutes. and he said no. I said, let me help you run the team. He said no. But uh, <laughs> he I he, declined. He, yeah, he said no. But maybe right. I can get in with the Packers, man. I'd love to be involved in the draft. You know, I could. I think I could help the team. I think you could too. Uh, could. I have yeah. my next documentary. There you go. Exciting. Oh my God. Let's Here do we it. Go. Hey, Here we have it. Guys, thanks for coming on. Hey, Dennis, thanks for I having appreciate us, it. And Tom, good luck. You guys, good luck with this. It really is. It's, it's uh, yeoman's work that you and your crew did, and it's like angel's work, too, because this sort of stuff needs to be addressed, and it needs to be addressed quick before, before more tragedies like some of the ones that you show in this film take place. I mean, this is frontline stuff right here. And um, where, where can people who are listening to this and seeing this right now go in order to help out right now. Thanks for asking. They can You're go welcome. to our website, DetroitFireFilm.org. Mm -hmm. You can view clips from the film. And we're the film's not done yet, too. We're premiering it at Tribeca, but we're still fundraising. Yeah, where can people see it? I, I don't know if many of my, my, my vodka cast listeners are going to be able to make the Tribeca Film we're Festival. We're at the Tribeca Film Festival this week. Uh -huh. We are at the Boston Film Festival. We were picked for that, okay. which is uh, uh, we're there Friday. Okay. We yeah, start our screenings. And then we are, where are we after that? We don't know. Oh, that remains no, to be seen. It'll be, we're let's trying to get some wide release. Well, right? yeah, That's well, hopefully, hopefully from okay. from the vodka casts. That there you we're go. Doing. You never know. Uh, I'm you telling never know. Let me tell you something. Uh, th there's a significant podcast bump that oh, happens. I know. There's a significant oh, podcast bump. Yeah, undefeated. The coach came on the week before he wins the Oscar. Next week, Tom Brady. This has helped him immeasurably. I'm not kidding you. Uh, uh, Matthew Perry's pilot just got picked up. He Tom was on, Brady met Giselle Bunchen right here on the set of the Rich Eisen Vodka That's cast. Right. No, Did I you wish, know that? I wish, I, I wish on that one. I wish on that one. It's good to see you, Tom. Hey, nice man. You. Thank, thank you very thank much, you. Rich. No, please. It, it's a uh, pleasure having you on, and, and you can come back anytime you wish. Well, once Thanks. I get picked as the general manager for the Packers, I'll be on here. There you go. There you go. Dennis Leary, the future general manager of the Green Bay Packers. Ted Thompson, look out. He's gunning for your job right here on the Rich Eisen uh, Vodka cast. Vodka cast. For God. Fantastic. I have a vodka cast. We'll run that up the flagpole. I doubt that flag will fly. But who knows? You know, maybe Mr. Smirnoff is out there going to make an offer where it can't be refused. I don't know. Technically, I'll be honest, I'm a little bit of a Grey Goose man myself. A little bit of the orange Grey Goose. Maybe that'll be the version of the vodka cast. Dennis Leary, love that guy. He is who he is. He wears it on his sleeve. It's so great when you meet somebody... And he's the same person that you see on television and you hear in interviews. He's a real deal uh, dude, and uh, I'm excited to have him on, on here. And again, uh, if you can see the documentary Burn, uh, it's not out in theaters yet, but uh, when it does come out in theaters, be sure to, to watch it. And, um, and be sure to be mindful of your own situation in your own town, your first responders, your firefighters, and support them in your town. Uh, it's obviously such a, a, crucial, a crucial aspect of, of, of the social netting that keeps this country great and safe. And so I, I encourage you to go to my blog page, richeisen.nfl.com, for more information on burn and how you can support your local firefighters and also the, those in Detroit, Michigan. And also go there to uh, uh, we're still continuing our, our month-long promotion of uh, Step in Rich's Shoes. Again, you have a chance to sit right on this podcast with me and have a chat about football, whatever you want. You want to talk firefighters? Great. Whatever you want to talk about. Uh, just go to richeisen.nfl.com, put in your email address, and get all your friends to subscribe to the podcast. The most new subscribers generated by you gets you a spot on the podcast. That's the way it works. 
and it also gets you the shoes I ran the 40-yard dash in. Step in Rich's shoes, richeisen.nfl.com. Again, be sure to uh, check your iTunes inbox for more podcasts this week. Um, also from last week, too. It was fun with Aisha Tyler and then Jay Moore. We've uh, the schedule podcast with the 2012 NFL regular season schedule being released last week. Me, Mooch, Marshall, Michael Irvin massaging that schedule, analyzing it. Charles Davis and I had a sit-down chat about what to expect at the draft come Thursday night and beyond. That's a great primer, a great way, a table setter for you to get ready for the draft this week. And the same goes for the NFL.com mock draft moderated by Mike Mayock with me, Mooch, Marshall, and a cast of thousands. That comes out Tuesday. My chats with Roger Goodell and Seth Myers of Saturday Night Live and one podcast coming out Wednesday. All of it can be seen on NFL Network Wednesday at 10.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I want to thank Dennis Leary. I want to thank Tom Putnam. Thank you, Chris Law. Thank the rest of the crew that helped make this possible here in New York City. The first of three from New York. Let's play three, as they say uh, nowhere except on this podcast, the Vodka Cast. Rich Eisen signing off, sober as a judge. Stay listening, friends.